0: After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. All right, everyone, welcome back to Confessions of a Reformer, Mike Maishiro here. Um, We are doing a series on gender and, um, I've got a special guest with me today. Um, so you may recognize April from social media as the comedic genius behind critiquing event evangelical culture, um, deconstruction, you know, like just bringing humor and brilliance to the conversation. Um, April, I said your handle wrong. Um, it help me April, a joy.
1: A joy. It's actually my middle name.
0: Right. right, and you told me that. But every time I see your name on Instagram, I always say April A Joy. I don't know why I do that. It's but... totally
1: fine. I am a joy. So, <laughs> but that is actually why my parents named me that. They like prophesied that I would be a joy.
0: Oh um, well, they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys, April A Joy here with me today. Um, talking about gender. I'm very excited about this conversation. Um. And I want you to discover why as we go. <laughs> um, but April, welcome to the back to the podcast. I don't want to say back because like at the recording of this, I don't know when episodes are going to come out. Totally so fine. I'm going to treat you like this is the first time you've ever been here. Um, really cool. and, I, and I know there are people listening or watching who've probably never seen you before. So I'd just love for them to get a bit of a background for you. So um, April, thanks for being on. I know gender can be such a sensitive subject for people today, sp- especially. Um, but I would just love to just hear any and all of what you'd care to share on your journey and your understanding and all the things on this subject. Um, so if you're up for it, would you mind if we started off with just your story and background?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll give you the the quicker, quick version. Um, <laughs> I I grew up, uh, my dad was a pastor. My grandfather was also a pastor. My dad was well, really a pastor evangelist. So we would travel around the world. My dad would preach at different churches and crusades. Um, I would sing before he'd preach. We would travel in a motor home. We were homeschooled. We traveled around the country. And um, I saw all the different types of churches early on. So um, yeah, uh, we were Pentecostal in nature. So we did a lot of like Baptist churches too, but my home church was Pentecostal. And uh, I grew up very Republican, very conservative, you know, believed that to be a good Christian meant loving God, loving people, and voting red. You know, those were kind of the prerequis- pre prerequisites to being yeah. Christian. Um yeah, so that's that's kind of my background. There's been a lot of things over I've har- probably been deconstructing over, uh, you know, over a decade. And now what I do is I use my, you know, like when I say like I was in it, I was very much in it. I sang on the Jim Baker show, an original song called America say Jesus. That was very Christian nationalist. So um, now being aware of the problems of Christian nationalism, especially from being inside, I use my, my Instagram and my TikTok to kind of make fun and mock it a little bit because it's worthy of being mocked. Um, It's also just needs to be called out, but in my head doing it in a humorous way sometimes is e- more easily digestible to people that may not agree with me and, and mm-hmm. can kind of poke fun at things that just don't make sense. And, you know, and using satire to do it. Mm-hmm. It's also fun for me because humor is how I cope. So
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally love it. Great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, by the way, just while we're here, if you want to find April on Instagram, or TikTok, her skits are hilarious. She puts wigs on. She has a lot of other evangelical cringy content sometimes in the background, and then she's like acting out stuff sometimes. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, It's a, it's revealing. It's intelligent. It's just great content. So um, I think you, everyone, the link is below this show notes if you want to go find her. Um, Definitely recommend giving April a follow.
1: Well, well thank you. Um, thank totally.
0: You. <laughs> um, So April, we're talking about gender. Um, yes. <laughs> Why uh I, I want you to be able to like share your story, but I'm sure. just I, I guess I want to kick off your story with why would I invite you into a conversation around gender?
1: Yeah, why I'd would love you, you to
0: answer that question <laughs> well, yeah with your story yeah. and experience if you're yeah, sure. you'd want to share?
1: So to talk about the stuff that's on topic. Um <laughs> so I'm I'm a cisgender female, uh cisgender woman. Uh, so yeah, why would you have someone cisgender to talk about gender issues? Um, well, my spouse is non-binary, but when we got married, um, we both identified as heterosexual, cisgendered people. Like we were in a you know, straight marriage and we were evangelical darlings. Um, my spouse worked at was the production. Uh, he was, they were overproduction for um, a large church that we went to where I also led worship. Like we were evangelical darlings um behind the scenes and this, and I knew about their gender dysphoria from um, a month into us dating. Um, they, they can tell their own story much better than I can. But from my perspective, uh, a one month into us dating, we you know, we did not have sex, but we did something physical and um it kind of awoken this shame in my spouse because they were able to use purity culture as a cover for their gender identity. And so they kind of just threw themselves into purity culture, decided to be, you know, in their mind, the best quote unquote Christian boy that they could be. Um,
0: I have no idea what that's like, but
1: <laughs> I know I'm sure, I'm sure you don't. Beauty <laughs> culture was great for people in the closet. Great. Like, great it made beard, it, for sure.
0: For a long yeah, time. It made
1: it easier to repress things. <laughs> um, so, so <laughs> we get married and I had, um, <laughs> TMI and actually it's not TMI. We, we also have a podcast where we go into like way more details about our entire story um, called the non-binary marriage. If anyone's interested. Nice. Um, so when we got, when we started dating though, I was not a virgin. I had been, um, well, we'll just call it what it is. I was basically raped, uh, when I was a virgin after spit telling it was a date thing. And after telling a guy for 10 minutes that I was a virgin, I wanted to stay that way, blah, 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 Like I was, okay. I was doing other things. Like a lot of Christians were, you know, like anything, but intercourse, you know? Um, so I was still technically a virgin though. Mm. And, you know, I was asleep, woke up, it was happening. I stopped it, but I felt so much shame. From it and I know I'm just kind of brushing over this really yeah, traumatic God. Experience, but <laughs> it's um it's just it's just part of my story. So um you know purity culture doesn't teach anyone how to deal with consent. They they don't teach about consent at all. It's you know your value is in your virginity, your value is in your sexuality and it gets tainted and it gets dirty and becomes less valuable. So even though I did not choose to do this thing <laughs> with this person, with this man, um, this Christian man, I might add. Um, I felt so much shame and guilt, like it was my fault. And so I just kind of made up my mind and, and looking back on it now, I realized it was just like a way to gain control of my own story. But I was just like, you know, whoever I date next, I'm just sleeping with them because if I'm going to feel this much shame anyway, I might as well be having actual sex was my thought process. So yeah. then I ended up dating a guy for two years and had slept with him, but he was the only person before Beecher that I had slept with but it was like it was the like my scarlet letter like I had to confess this to every person that I dated because I was dating in Christian circles you know so I was like the damaged woman who had quote-unquote you know messed up and almost needed to ask whoever I was dating forgiveness for this um which is a whole other topic that's that's another discussion so so I told all of this Beecher that's that's their name Um, Beecher is my spouse I told all this to Beecher the first date we ever went on because I was of the mind like I am putting it all out on the table because I don't want to waste my time if if someone's going to be all judgy about it um and so and they were like okay and then they tell me like they had never done anything like like I'm going to get very intimate details here but like they had never even masturbated before we got together like they shut it all down completely
0: wow how old were you
1: um when we started dating I was 24 and they would have been 22 I'm two years older than them wow so or might have been 23 and 25 some of their
0: wow okay
1: yeah early 20s yeah so that's a long time
0: that's a long time
1: (laughs) so um so anyway like First, first time they ever had an orgasm was a month into us dating and it just kind of let the floodgates out of all of this shame. And so they kind of word vomit onto me immediately after and just tell me like when they were in fifth grade, they accidentally, you know, their sister's clothes got put in their room by accident. They put on their sister's clothes and really enjoyed it, um, got very excited about it and immediately felt shame, shut it down, thought there was something wrong with them, didn't know why they would be drawn to like wanting to be a woman. Like the idea of being a woman was exciting. And um, so they completely shut it down, but just felt so much shame. Like there was no one to talk to about this. Um, You know, like they said, like they'd been in many, you know, boys and men's groups where everyone just assumes everyone has a porn problem and they did not have a porn problem. They, um, their pronouns are they, them, by the way, that's why I'm using they. Um, and so they just felt very isolated. Like one, they felt weird because they didn't have the right quote unquote sin. Like there was something wrong with them. Um, so anyway, long story short, we date, we dated and we're engaged for about a year and a half before we got married. But in that time, they start having full on panic attacks. um, They were projecting their own shame onto me. And so they said very awful things to me, like thinking, because in their mind, they thought when they got married, they would marry this other virgin who also saved themselves and that, you know, God would reward them in marriage and that their perfect virgin wife would fix all their problems and they would no longer have any desires to be a woman or to be feminine. Wow. And. You know, then I come in and they fell in love with me, but I was not a virgin. And so it was just this just spirals. Um, Their mental health was not good. They were still very repressed. And, you know, it was gender dysphoria, but we did not have the language for that at the time. You know, we had no idea. I had never even heard that phrase. And I was very ignorant. I mean, I was ignorant on any LGBTQ issues. I was still not affirming. You know, I probably still believe that being gay was a choice at the time. Um, and there were just no resources in the church. There was no one to talk to about it. Yeah. No one was dealing with this that we were aware of.
0: Okay. So I want to ask while you're in that part of the story, what were you thinking when they came? I don't know. Did they, would you say they came out to you? They, they didn't come out yeah. to you as friends at the time, right? Or like, no. it's not, they didn't have the, what, so I'm just, I'm curious, what was the conversation like? And how did you, what were you thinking when you heard that? Cause you obviously moved forward and you're like, let's go. What were you thinking? Yeah. yeah.
1: So. Um, they, so they presented it like it was a thing in the past, you know, because they, they really had never done anything else. They put on their sister's clothes in fifth grade. And that was the only thing they had done that had anything to do with feminine stuff. Um, so in my head, I was like, wow, you've gone so long without doing any of this. Like, it's fine. I was, I was very naive. I was young. I was in love. I saw there were, you know, looking back, there were a lot of red flags of, of, you know, like this was not a thing in the past, but you know, I didn't think that anyone was trans. Like those, they just had demons. So I was a Pentecostal. I don't know if I mentioned that. So I was like, oh, I can just take care of a demon. The demons are afraid of me. <laughs> um, Well, like literally within like a first few months of us dating, they asked me, cause they knew I was Pentecostal. They asked me, they were raised Baptist, um, but they went to a Pentecostal undergrad. Um, Beecher asked me if I would lay hands on them to cast the demon out. And I did, I like laid my hands, spoken tongues, uh, spoiler alert, no demon came out. Um, so we kind of went the demon route for a while. We also, they were also seeing a therapist. That was a little bit pro demon as well, who kind (laughs) of, we specifically thought there were three demons, um, it was like, we had, they we had names for them too. No. It was a demon of I'm trying to think demon of perversion, demon of shame. And I can't remember what the other one was. It was like depression or something. Cause um, I'm not convinced. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but there were definitely three and they, um, they never, they definitely dealt with self-harm. Like they did not harm themselves, but they dealt, they had some ideation. Um, which was really scary for me because I didn't know. I just didn't know how to handle it. I just thought all of it, it was just easier to just be like, this is all a demon. This is just demonic. You know, we're under attack. Um, It's honestly a miracle that we got married because our dating and engagement time was pretty awful. (laughs) Like, and they would say the same thing like i mean like we had a lot of fun together and obviously we loved each other and um we never had sex like we we waited until we actually got married to have sex i was very much secondary virgin you know which is what they taught us in my one of my assemblies of god schools that you could be a secondary virgin if you recommit oh, your life to god um, so that was a yeah. the term
0: they used, secondary virgin
1: 100% it was on my purity pledge card you would check if you were either a virgin or a secondary virgin oh. at the time at the time I checked Virgin because I was, but I had to probably go back and recheck. Like, I don't know, secondary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> edit your purity.
1: Yeah, I edit. Card. <laughs> oh my, okay,
0: hang on. So, so to, um, when Beecher first talked to you about any trans non-binary feelings or, you know, identity, it was like a confession of something, like an event or an occurrence from the past. Right. And so moving forward, you were like, I'm going to move forward. This is something you were dealing with. You Maybe you're currently dealing with this is something that's not a part of this. We're going to fix it. Your hope was like, we're going to find the solution and I'm with you. And right. That's what you were thinking. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I, and, and I might be remembering, you know, they may, I don't, I don't think that they were dishonest with me, but I think I also think I was being intentionally naive because I really wanted it to work, mm, totally. you know? And if I had known that they were trans, I don't, I don't know how I would have handled it back then. Um, And they didn't want it. You know, they were praying God, ask God to take it away there. They had a lot of shame around it. So, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020 they were projecting all this shame onto me. So they said some pretty nasty, awful things to me during all of this. And I don't know what came over me. I was very gracious towards them during this whole time and had a lot of patience. And when they called me a whore, I'd be like, I know you're not saying this. I know this is like the demons in you. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a miracle that we got, that we got married. Um, Cause I also know of a lot of spouses where like their partner, like they don't know anything until after they're married. So yeah, I think but... because we went through all of this before we got married, like we've been able to to make it work. But um yeah, and and to be fair, Beecher, anytime Beecher would say something like that to me, wasn't all the time, they would immediately apologize. And um like we've we've had to go through lots of therapy to work to work through the early years of our relationship. But um yeah, so in my head it was just something that was going to be fixed. God is going to take it away. And um yeah, so then we get married. And, uh, so we, this is where it kind of gets in like weird. Like we didn't really talk about it that much. I think I was living in denial because they remember talking to me more about it than I do. <laughs> I think I was disassociating from it. Wow. Um, because you know, I just, this was who I married. I married a man. I married, this was my husband. Mm. Um, I ha- it was just really hard for me to think of them and in, in any other way um so you know, but they were always super honest with me if um you know, if I was gone for the night or whatever and they got into my clothes like because we were both the same height. so they would sometimes put on my clothes and then feel really guilty about it and then confess it to me. and um, you know, and at the time, so we realized that this was something that was not going away, but we so we decided okay, this is not a demon we don't know what this is. It's not demonic. Cause Beecher was a wonderful human being like they're one of the kindest people I know. Like even back then they just had this thing, you know, they had this one thing.
0: So how and, did you feel when you would come home from something and they would confess to you that they had gotten into your clothes? What was that? What did you think when they told you that?
1: Um, I mean, I, it really bothered me. You know, it, you know, in my head, I would think like, why do I have a husband that deals with this? Like, in my head, I was like, why can't you just be addicted to porn like every other husband? <laughs> um, which is awful. But that was like, that was those were my thoughts. Um, and I would say this to to them too. Like, it wasn't like we were healthy, but I tried to respond with grace too because I also knew, even though I was still ignorant, I knew that they couldn't help it. I knew that they didn't want to. Um, so we went through several different phases of what this was. So it's first it was a demon. And then we kind of took it into like, you know what? I think the shame is what's driving you to do this, like in in secret. So we're like, let's take the shame out of it. Like, you know, maybe this is just an addiction. You know, like an addiction that needs to just like anything, you like you just get addicted to it. So let's just like bring it more on the op- out in the open. And so we started, um they would kind of tell me like, hey, I'm kind of feeling like doing more feminine things. Like I'm feeling that, that urge. Cause they also had a little OCD. So when the thought, when they felt the desire, they like, couldn't not think about it. Okay. So then we started using sex, like a band aid, And so whenever they would feel that way, we'd be like, okay, we'll just have sex. And then it would kind of taper it off for a little bit.
0: What was the thought process that made you think sex would like the goal of was having sex in that context was it would get those desires
1: to go away. Yeah. Because there was also like, I think because it was so he they did it so rarely. And there was this excitement level to it of like being, which we would know like as themselves in it too, that it also could turn them on at the same time. So so that's why for a little bit we thought it was like a sexual fetish. Oh. So then after we so we used like normal sex, I don't mean normal, that's awful, not normal, (laughs) like just regular like missionary, you know, like (laughs) just Heterosexual, cisgender styled sex. Mm. Um, we did that as a band-aid for a while to just kind of keep it going, which was not good for me and you know, my sexuality because I just felt used. Um, and being essayed, you know, like sexually assaulted previously was triggering. Um, because mm. I just felt like a, an object, which also was what purity culture taught me. So, but that's you so are you
0: saying, like you are incorporating them wearing your clothes or like, eventually. It started
1: oh, off as just like. Sex. Okay. And then we're like, maybe this is a fetish. Like maybe if we take the shame out of it and you know, every once in a while incorporate something into our sex life of or Beecher or wearing something feminine, which I think like, and I was we started off super, super small at first because I didn't know if I could handle it. Um, like I think the first time he wore they wore like uh a pair of pink socks. Okay. Um, my socks. <laughs> like it was nothing like I couldn't even see it and then like one time they wore one of my necklaces and then eventually it got like more and more where it was like um and it was still not every time it was just every once in a while but um like one time I think they like wore I don't know if this is TMI is this TMI I don't
0: I don't think so I'm so curious I just (laughs) want to understand the journey so yeah I don't I'm not worried about that
1: yeah. So, um, and we, you know, we've already said all of this on our podcast too. So it's, it's like out there already, Yeah. Right. but then they started wearing like some of my clothes or my garments and, um, little things like that, which bothered me. But another part of our story is I was not, I had never had an orgasm until I was in my, like just a few years ago. So I was not having orgasms at all during this time. Anyway. Um, I was never taught about female pleasure. wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> The boyfriend you had before Beecher for two years that you were having sex with, you had never had an orgasm with that person?
1: Nope. 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 I thought thought there was something wrong with me. So I was just like, I kind of had accepted that it was just never going to happen for me. Or I thought like all women were just exaggerating.
0: How good sex was?
1: Yeah. I was like, why would I? Like, I don't need this. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. I'm
0: just lab. I'm floored by that. Would you say that's the result of being raised in purity culture? That that's absolutely.
1: Yes. Yes. Cause okay, I had so, so much I- shame wrapped around it. Like, I, and you're never like, I grew up, I was taught the importance of making sure your husband was satisfied. Never once, never once was taught about female pleasure.
0: Okay. Can we take a moment for you to speak to any of the women listening whom whether this was their experience and they've recovered or maybe still currently is just for a moment. I just want us to take a pit stop. Let's pull off the highway for a second and just speak to the women who maybe that's their experience currently, or it was for a while. Is there any like advice or encouragement or comfort you would care to share from that experience? I'm so floored by that. I can't.
1: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs>
0: just, would you care to speak to that at all?
1: Sure. Um. Yeah. So the reason why, I, I mean, there's so many million reasons why I couldn't have one. Um, one, I eventually just kind of thought I couldn't because there was something wrong with me. Um, like but I just, yeah, like, okay. you know, and so then I kind of stopped trying because every time I would try and then it didn't happen, I just would feel even worse. So it was just easier just to be like, eh, I don't need it. Um, so you know, but it, I, and I realized now, like looking back, the reasons why I couldn't is because one, I felt like an object. I'd been objectified my entire existence in purity culture. Like women are just objectified. And so it's hard to get that out of your head at a certain point. I know a lot of women do fine. They, they have it. But for me, I just couldn't, um, being sexually assaulted. Um, there were, there were just a concept, there were triggers. And so eventually I went to a therapist that kind of specialized in sex things, And what I had described to her, she um, said I basically was disassociating during sex um, because I was being triggered almost every time. So there's so many factors that go into it. But what helped me was one, getting a therapist where I could say all this out loud, Um, because I also thought in my head for my specific experience that because Beecher was just different and was being feminine, I just wasn't attracted to that. And that's why I couldn't. You know, there's all these reasons in my head, um, but they were just, you know, excuses um, because I, you know, I just wasn't putting in the work to figure it out because I just was taught it's, you know, women's pleasure doesn't really matter. Mm. So, but so what worked for me I was getting a therapist and she recommended on the first session to get the book Come As You Are by Emily N- Nagoski, I think is her name. Um, Life changing. Um, it's just it's all about and it's not a Christian book. It's just about um, like women accepting who they are and like appreciating their bodies and um, you know, just being okay with it and and she told stories and stories and stories of people of women who also thought they couldn't have orgasms or if they did, they were small or you know, and it's a it's a more it's much more common than we realize. and it's never talked about, especially in the church. um And then the next big thing, and this is the biggest is um getting a vibrator <laughs> and just doing it on my own because I realized especially with like my past trauma um I I wasn't trusting of Beecher I wasn't trusting of any other person I don't think it was just Beecher but no. I just didn't feel safe um and you know a lot of that had to do with things that they had said to me when we were dating there is a whole a whole list of things but I just needed to be by myself and it took me several times um before I, like felt comfortable enough with myself to actually have an orgasm. Um, But I just, I worked really, I worked hard at it. And I went to therapy and I'll, and, and my spouse and Beecher was super supportive too. Beecher was like, and Beecher always wanted to try and help me and like do all these things. I just couldn't. Um, And so they were the ones that were actually telling me like, you need to go to therapy. Like you can have an orgasm. There's nothing wrong with you. Like you just need to figure your own stuff out and like, take me out of it. Like you just do it. Like, I don't need to be involved. Um, unless you want me to be. And so they were like, you know what? I'll, I'll take the girls out tonight. You stay home, do your thing, whatever you need. Like I bought, like, I, I looked at the reviews. They were like, buy the best vibrator you can find like one that'll work. And I tried out another, uh, I tried out a couple before I found one that worked for me. Um, but yeah. And then, and then it worked. And now And now I like sex, so.
0: (laughs) Okay, wait, so the first time you ever orgasmed was with a vibrator, is that right? Is this?
1: Yeah, true.
0: I did not expect this (laughs) to be where this conversation
1: went for the record. Well, and I Um, also thought, I also thought that intercourse was how most women had orgasms. Like I had never been taught about the C, you know? Like, (laughs) Like the lack of sex education that I had was really sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, just for the record, this on while we're here, I I got emotional while you were just kind of sharing some of this. Because I just I'm thinking about well, I think just I'm thinking about you as a person and this being your experience and for how long that's gone it had been. And just like how set up for failure you were, and then the injustice that was exacted on you from the assault, and also just purity culture in general, and just all these factors that your life is bearing like the cost of those things it's crazy to me that female pleasure is like a justice issue here like in terms of anyway like i'm having an emotional response i'm just like this is so tragic and unacceptable like that's crazy and i'm so sad that that was like like that for so long i can't believe that and just also just you know like anyway i could go on but um thank you for sharing that uh yeah. for being willing to share I mean, obviously that's like a vulnerable intimate Like part of your life, so I appreciate you being willing to share. And I'm just being moved by, yeah, your your experiencing, Bernie, and goodness. Like I'm, and I'm, I'm aware on some level of you know, like women and sex and pleasure and all that, and the challenges and injustices that come up there. But yeah, just like knowing people who have like experienced this for a long time is just like, it's not just a topic of conversation. Like people's lives are being affected by this stuff. This is, yeah, not okay. Anyway. Thank you for sharing that. Um,
1: yeah. So, so
0: I interrupted you. No, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> so I. <laughs> so where
1: leading, were we?
0: Leading,
1: leading up to that, um, oh, I think I was saying, you know, I was fine to just deal with having the sex, like to tolerate the sex with them wearing like my feminine stuff, right. because and that, I was,
0: wasn't. That was why you were still not orgasming yet.
1: Correct. Like okay, I was, yeah. I was like, I wasn't orgasming yeah. anyway. So like, oh God. doesn't matter. You know, it's not stun- stunting me. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, oh yeah. So we did that for a while, kept it to ourselves. Didn't, I had like one close friend who was a therapist that I would say things to everyone like that. I would confide in about it. And Beecher was like, you need someone to talk to about this. So I had one friend um, and, and she was, was great. But I remember having one conversation with her, um where I was just kind of explaining how it's not getting better. um, you know, it's I don't know how to handle it. I I, you know, just really being vulnerable. and she's a therapist. Dell's dealing with like religious trauma and gender dysphoria. and she was much further along in deconstruction than I was, but I didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> and she was like, April. Have you considered that this might be an identity? It's situation and she was the first person that said it to me Wow! and I immediately was like no no way um because when that, she said
0: that what did that mean to you
1: that that be would have been trans okay. um like maybe a trans woman um and I was not ready <laughs> for to like even think about that being a possibility wow. um you know, cause in, in my head, I still really cared about what people thought about me being a, a PK. That's, you know, that's huge. And, um, I didn't want to be the girl that accidentally married a trans woman for what that would mean in the church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they're non-binary, but I like, those are just my fears, you know? And, and I, and we're to the point now that I've told Beecher, like, you know, if you were to come out as a trans woman, I'd I would still love you. Like we're we're fully accepting and affirming of all of that now. But it it was just really scary for me. And I was very um, I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And um, you know, I'm not proud of it looking back, but I just didn't have any resources and I didn't, I had never been taught how to love a trans person. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really taught anything about transgender identities, I was just If I had heard of it, you know, it was the term like cross dressing or transvestite. And it was all these negative, Mm. um, demonic things like everything's a demon that you don't understand. So, um, anyway, Beecher actually ended up going to a 12 step group over it. Like, just they were crushed too. They were, they got to a very dark place again in our marriage. This was after we had had, I was pregnant with our second child. and we just, we were, our story is very big, so I'm not going to get into all of it, but um, they were like, you know, I want to get right before our new baby comes. So they just, our church put on a 12-step group. Beecher what went. Did,
0: what did Beecher mean by get right?
1: Like, get, fix it. Okay. So like, we're still in
0: like, something's wrong, let's fix it.
1: Fix yes. It. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because our, you know, they they were repressing themselves, which made them, you know, kind of take they were never abusive by any means, but they would just get kind of angry with me and say little things and kind of blame me for it, you know, and I didn't know how to handle it because I just, (laughs) I didn't know. And I was not accepting. Um, I had grace and I was walking with them through it, but neither, I mean, at that point, neither of us were accepting of it. We didn't, we didn't think we weren't affirming yet. Really. We didn't know life as, um, no one around us was affirming or, or like accepting of, tr- of queer issues. So it was just, there was no, that voice just was not around. It was, and anytime we took it to a Christian leader, cause we started tr- telling more people about it, like Beecher had come out to their parents, um, not as non-binary, but just as like, this is what I'm dealing with. And like, we told my mom and my family knew like, and you know, for the most part, the advice was yeah, this could ruin your marriage if you let it get too far. And so we were trying to keep our marriage together. Um, So they went to a 12 step group and I remember they just, they had.
0: What is a 12 step group? Like we're talking, all I'm thinking is AA, which I'm assuming is not it's correct.
1: Basically AA it's like, but it, our church put it on. So they said like, if you had any type of like life, um, life controlling addiction, whether it was drugs, most of it was drugs. <laughs> Or alcohol. Oh um, so a couple people were there for porn, um, and then Beecher was there. And um, I mean, it's comical talking about it, looking back. But Beecher was like having panic attacks, like yeah. anytime they they only went twice because. And then I had my my baby came early, and so Beecher's like thank God, um, but yeah. But like Beecher came home and just felt felt even worse because one, like a lot of the people in the twelve step group were like in and out of prison, had completely wrecked their marriages. And, and so Beecher on one hand felt guilty for being in there because their life was not nearly that bad, right. you know, and, but it, you know, was much more privileged than that. But then on the other hand, felt shame that their thing was so weird that they didn't feel like they could even share it, that they would not be accepted in a group where you should be accepting of everybody. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so we have my second child and, My, my, uh, our youngest was born in 2019. So we kind of, you know, we got thrown into just survival mode with another baby. And so like dealing with it kind of got put on the back burner and Beecher was going to a therapist at this point, but intentionally had sought out a therapist that would kind of a Christian therapist that would, you know, kind of tell them how to fix it. She was convinced that Beecher had been, you know, probably abused or molested at some point. And that's why they were this way. So they were doing like AMDR, ADMR. What is it called? Whenever you go to the, you do like memory work.
0: Oh, Uh, I don't remember, but it's like you lay
1: down, you put them in a little bit of a trance, and it's like trying to bring back memories. Nothing was ever uncovered. But anyway, so 2020 happens, pandemic. We are stuck at home, and Beecher is all day, every moment of each day. My clothes are right there. We're all home. We're going a little stir crazy. Beecher's working at a conservative Christian college as a professor at this point. I'm also working for the school, but um not during the pandemic. And we kind of both just decided, we cannot be scared of what the answer is. We need to actually like ask what this is for real and not try to put in our own prejudice, our own pre, you know, preconceptions of what this is. Like we just need to like, what is this? And we need to be okay knowing the answer. And we're like, you know what? No matter what the answer is, even if Beecher is trans, we decide what to do with that, you know, like if we're not making a decision, we just need to know what it is. Cause our, our marriage was in like a rough, a rough spot. We just, it was just hard. Um, So Beecher found a new therapist that specialized in trans and gender identity. Um, Just because we needed some, we needed, they wanted to talk to someone that knew what they were talking about. And so they kind of went, back and forth. They asked like, am I trans woman? Um, am, you know, am I cisgender? Am I non-binary? Am I gender fluid? And, and really gave themselves space to figure it out. And I gave them space to figure it out too. And the whole time, you know, I, I love Beecher with all my heart. And even then I was like, you know, I, it's going to really suck <laughs> if, if it's one of these things just for like what other people are going to think. Yeah. Um, but you Know at that point I was already starting to make anti-Trump content. So I was already getting hate anyway. And so Beecher was always like, these people already think you're this crazy liberal anyway. Like it's not gonna change their mind about you. They already think you're awful. Like that's totally fair. Um <laughs> so yeah, so uh in the fall of 2020, Beecher like um had this kind of epiphany where they were praying and like, God, like, who am I? Like what what am I to you? And they just felt this peace of like I am just in between. I just I they just felt very peacefully and clear that they are not a woman, they're not a man, they're just in between. They and so they came out to me officially as non-binary. And um and yeah, it was it was kind of like this big sigh of like. Okay, we have language for this now. and um, it was still hard for me. I still had moments of like just total freakouts where I was like, what are people gonna think? Um, what if I can't be attracted to you as non-binary because this is gonna become like you're gonna be able to present, you know, differently every day. Um, what does this mean for our marriage? What does this mean for our kids? Um, you know, and so, you know, we just, we kind of prayed about it. We looked at the the theology of like, you know, what are people going to say against us biblically? Because we knew that it would come. And we honestly, it was really easy to like, there's the Bible doesn't talk about trans issues at all. It's very, um, it's very gray on it. And if anything, I think it's pro trans because, um, uh, I think in Judaism, they have this thing called Miriam and the Genesis creation story. And they would do, they would do this justice so much better than me, but, um, it says like in the beginning, you know, God created night and day, but dawn and dusk exist. It just doesn't, it doesn't mention that. So really it's saying like, um, night and day and everything in between. And then it says that God created land and water, but swamp lands and marsh exist, and so it's land and water and everything in between. And then it says, and God created them male and female and everything in between. Like it's talking about the two ends of a spectrum. And so, um, and it wasn't until Beecher accepted themselves as non-binary that I finally felt free to find my own identity. Um, and so that was kind of when I started figuring out my own sexuality with not having orgasms and figuring out, like, I think I've been using Beecher as an excuse. Um, And, you know, I also realized I was, I'm bisexual and um, which totally made sense in hindsight, but I was also very repressed for, Mm. that's another story. (laughs) Um, And seeing them embrace themselves as their true identity um, has honestly been one of the most like, divine um spiritual experiences that i was able to witness firsthand and be a part of and like our marriage is so much better like i and i look at the fruit of like our marriage was not good when they were repressed um even though we were good churchy evangelicals and everyone would have thought our life was perfect and together um it just wasn't and like we, i feel like we finally know what it actually means to have freedom in christ by just being ourselves <sighs> Wow. okay, firstly April, thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm just I'm honored to hear your story and your experience. and I'm just really thankful that you're willing to share it with us with me, with us, just the world. um like, yeah, what a radical journey to have to go to walk out and I love what you just described about the marshlands and dawn and dusk and everything in between. And I, I can't, I don't understand it yet, but I am so fascinated and intrigued by the trans and non-binary experience, you know, and just like what people who like people with those identities, what they can reveal to us about the nature of God, about the nature of humanity and things that we just will never have the wherewithal to ask or uh, consider like, there's just such beauty and mystery inviting, I think invited in their experiences and perspective. And I just feel so, yeah, desirous to understand and grow and be invited into an expansion, you know? Um, so yeah, I, when you said like, I'm not going to do the words justice, but like witnessing someone's journey like this, being such a profound spiritual experience, I'm like, I believe you. I bet that's true. I want to have that experience. I want to know what that was like, you know, like fascinating. Like, I'm just like, what do you, you, when you look at human beings and when you understand people, you probably know and understand something different than what I understand right now, you know? And I'm like, what do you
1: know? Like, that's so
0: cool and beautiful and expansive. And yeah. And that's why
1: it's like, it's so easy for, you know, and I, I felt this way too, but so easy for like the bigots. You know, conservatives, homophobics, transphobic people all to just demonize and attack because they don't understand. You know, but I, I saw Beecher when they were cisgender, and they, they had moments where they just did not want to live anymore. And then I saw them since they've accepted who they are and. They're like so beautiful, like the peace that they have. And you just can't tell me that God's not in that. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's um, like you just can't take away that experience. Like you can throw scripture at me out of context all you want. (laughs) But I saw I've seen what it does to be affirming. It changed. It's it literally saves lives like you're talking about your people are pushing a theology of death it mm. it literally kills. And, you know, whether it's homosexuality, transgender, whatever type of anti-queer ideology people are pushing, like it's, it's death. And it's just been really beautiful to finally see the life that I suppressed for so long.
0: Mm. Would you say that Beecher's journey inadvertently, like, I feel like this kind of feels inferred anyway, but inadvertently liberated you and yours, like, especially in your own sexual journey and identity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause there, I mean, seeing them accept themselves gave me the courage to figure out my own self, you know, when, you know, it's just so easy when you're in a church in an event, like in a white evangelical space where you're, you're, you know, for the most part, you're supposed to be the same. There's, there's not really a lot of um, different ideology. There's not really a diverse thoughts. It's, you must believe these things. It's why churches have on their websites, like, this is what we believe. And, you know, a lot of times you sign a membership card that says like, I also believe all of this. Um, and so like, I would have never, ever asked myself like, Oh, could, could I be bisexual? Like, you know, like, you know, it's like, Oh no, just every straight woman is sometimes attracted to their female friends. Like that's just normal, but I'm straight. You
0: know um yeah totally wow so cool okay i have a question for you um, yeah for people i guess i'm asking this on behalf of people who mm-hmm. i don't know why these people are coming up for me right now but people who don't even realize or don't know that they have trans people in their life or they have trans people that are going to show up in their life or they have people in their life who are going to come out as trans and they're not prepared um what are some things you would tell them to just I guess set them up for success but mostly also care for the trans person that they're going to end up having a relationship with hopefully um what are th- some things you would give them as far as like w- things to be aware of things to like address in in themselves beforehand, ways to care for their trans person. I know I'm kind of throwing you out this like broad scenario, but like, yeah, any words of advice or wisdom from your journey and what you've been able to understand about how to care for Beecher that they could benefit
1: from? Yeah. Um, One thing I would say is don't go to like, don't go to your, if you go to a conservative evangelical church, they're going, just don't go to them for advice. They're (laughs) going to tell you it's a sin. It's demonic. They, 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 cause they cannot, in order to keep a very tight-knit belief system in place, trans identity cannot be a thing given by God. Otherwise, it pulls the string and it all unravels. So they're not going to give you honest advice. They're going to give you advice that protects their belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would there's lots of resources out there. I think the best thing is to read people's stories. Um, you know, people stories of how people realize that they were trans, um, how you know when they came out. Um, and respect people's pronouns. If they tell you their pronouns are they, them, she, her, he, him, whatever they are. Um, just the effort goes a long way. Like I still, every once in a while, especially when I'm talking about and I I think I might have even messed up in this podcast, but when I'm when I'm telling the story from the past tense, since Beecher was, you know, at the time he. It's still, it still slips every yeah. once in a while because yep. they've only been out. They haven't even been out publicly for a year yet. They came out last February. Wow. um I don't know when this will air, so you can cut that out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't even been out publicly for a year. So it's still something that um, I don't always get right. I, you know, I try to immediately correct it, but from what Beecher has told me and the trans people that I know that just effort goes a long way, effort to be seen. Um, they just want to be seen as who they are. And if you're trying, even if you get the pronouns wrong, sometimes if you catch it, and like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I caught that. I'm so sorry. Like that could just, that goes so much further than you realize because they, every, every day are met with people who intentionally misgender them, um, to be hateful. So just having someone recognize that, that they go through that, um, it's just, just, they just want to be seen. Um, and you can't love someone if you don't see them, which is why, you know, all these people that are like, oh yeah, I I love the gays, but it's like, no, you're not seeing them for who they are. You're seeing, you're seeing sin. If you, you can't love a sin that, that you think is this demonic thing. So like to be known and still loved, like that's love. Mm,
0: Totally. Wow. Love it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and I didn't mean to say the gays. I was quoting them, like <laughs> totally, no, totally. <laughs> so,
0: wow, April. Um, yeah, thank you. This has been a gift. I feel personally just so ah, inspired and humbled and opened up, I guess. I don't, yeah, you know, like just lifted my gosh. Um, so for people who are listening and they're like, man, I want to know more. I want to, I want to check out your podcast. I want to hear your story more in de- in depth and detail or follow you. What are the ways people can find and follow and plug into all the things that you've put out there?
1: Sure. So, um, on TikTok and Instagram, I am at April, a joy that's April spelled like the month. And then a J O Y a joy is my middle name. Um, on Twitter, I'm at April, a joy R. I also co-host a podcast called Evangelicalish, where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of evangelicalism and current events and all the things. Um, and then, if you want to listen to my uh, Beecher and I's podcast, it's just a limited series. We tell our story and then we're done, so it's not ongoing. But all the episodes are out. It's called the Non-Binary Marriage Podcast, and it's you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Brilliant! I love it. Great. So we'll provide those links in the show notes below. You, everyone, you can find those links down there april thank you so much for being here um thank you so much for sharing so generously um i have such mad respect for you and beecher and for your journey and just honored to get to know you and get to hear your story and glean from you know what you guys have. i don't know if pioneer is the right way to say that but you know like what you've gone into and like broken out of and changed in your own lives like what a gift and so important so thank you so much for sharing
1: yeah thank you so much for having me
0: For sure, my pleasure. Everyone, thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you in the next episode. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to dive deeper, check out MikeMayaShiro.com.